Told you so, but I bet you wish you were here. Bet you wish you were here. Hello? Hello? Hey, Alton! Sorry, sorry guys. Like, look, in comedy there's like a rule of three, right? So that's three times now I've started episodes with a funny, silly voice. And that's it. It's not funny. We It, it arguably wasn't funny the first time. But I find if you keep... This is something just for any young comics kind of breaking through here. Just a little top tip from a kind of a haggard, uh, almost middle-aged car comedian now. Is that if you just keep... Pop, 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 keep hammering the gag. Eventually it can become funny if only because you're watching a comedian struggle for some sort of acceptance from a joke that was flawed from the, from the ground up. Anyway, I digress. Today's episode guy, and I don't know, guy, just one guy, like me chatting to one guy, could be. <laughs> How do we know it's more? We don't. This episode, as opposed to today's episode, because I'm throwing them all out at the same time. This episode, just to give you a bit of background on this one, right? And this background goes all the way back to the 7th to the 10th centuries. In what we would call modern day Great Britain, there existed a Anglo-Saxon kingdom by the name of Northumbria, would you believe, right? It traded and had cordial dealings with England, modern day England to the south, Scotland to the north. No, to say cordial is kind of, you know, incredibly misleading, like, because a cursory glance on Google will reveal the fact that Northumbria was hardly ever not at war. But look, you know what I mean? Like, to be honest, I'd be fact-checking virtually everything I say, guys, and I should have said that really at the outset. Like, I'd be kind of a, like, kind of an ear-shut, mouth-open type of guy anyway at the best of times. So, like, pop, 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 pop with the facts. But, like, for your own sake, don't be quoting them right or anything if you're writing papers or anything like that. Like, fact-check everything fact suffice to say the point i'm trying to make is that northumbria was a totally separate state kingdom call it what you like it was separate right but we've we've got that we're comfortable with that that is no longer the case as you might have noticed but today there emerges a group of people get now wrap your head around this because in this podcast we're talking about possibly Scotland going independent, Wales, Ireland reuniting. We're talking about the potential breakup of the union. But did you know there are people working towards the breakup of bloody England? Do mind your union, right? That's small fry. There are people trying to break up England itself and to establish independence for the north of England. They are a group called the Northern Independence Party. Now, I can picture some of you sitting there like, oh, is this some sort of a stupid joke now, Ty? You know, is this a monster raving loony party kind of a vibe? Well, guys, you're about to feel like a proper plonker because this is real life, my friends. They are hoping to be running candidates in the very near future. As you will learn from the interview, their social media game is... Hello! Unbelievable. I sat down, God love me, with the NIP's communication officer. Again, outright lie straight away. I didn't. I did no such thing. I sat down at my own laptop at home in my little hovel in Cork. And I presume that Jamie sat down at his laptop or phone in his location somewhere I would hope now in Northumbria... And I suppose, guys, through the magic of technology, we had a lovely old chat. Say again, boy, really sound out, fella. When someone's sound, I like to call him out publicly. A sound man, very generous with his time, 
very enjoyable conversation and uh, that's it really I really hope you enjoy the interview I just want to say as well before we kick off I'm really enjoying this it's like a good it's a good time for me and I think it's nice to say that it's like it's really fun chatting to interesting people politics geopolitics and all that kind of jazz learning stuff as I go along shooting the shit having a laugh where would you be going lovely days lovely stuff I hope wherever you are listening that you're having a lovely time. And without further ado, here is Jamie Blair of the Northern Independence Party who begins by telling us how the NIP came into existence and exactly what they want. Yeah, so we formed towards the end of 2020. Uh, lockdown was in full effect, so in-person organising wasn't really a possibility. And at the same time, the government had just announced a pitiful amount of funding to help Manchester deal with the pandemic. So, you know, that was sort of the last straw for us. Enough was enough. Our founders came together on Twitter and then decided to make a WhatsApp group. And it sort of went from there. Since then, we've become a registered political party. We've elected our national executive committee. We have regional branches. And more importantly, we have a committed team of incredibly talented volunteers. So what do we want? We want an independent North. We're sick of promises of devolution or leveling up. If Westminster doesn't want to help build a better North, we can do it ourselves. Excellent. Okay. And obviously there's from what I'm reading and what you're telling me that it's a real kind of the youth element of it is very important to the growth. And we'll get to that in a bit with the social media aspect, but let's go back a little bit in history. And would you mind telling us a little bit about the fact that this wouldn't be a new thing for Northumbria, that in fact, for three centuries, it was an independent sovereign state. Yeah. Northumbria was a country before it was part of England. But, you know, we try not to focus too much on the past. Um, you know, we <laughs> like the flag and we like the name, but we want to build a modern country, uh, you know, one with strong support systems for those that need it, with a fair, just law system and a dynamic economy with cooperatives and municipal ownership, as well as small and medium sized businesses. You know, I don't want to spill out the manifesto here, but we really want basic stuff. Yeah. Like, you know, we want a fair chance for everyone. And we just don't have that at the moment in the North. Mm. So yes, Northumbria does have, you know, this claim as a country that was around during the dark ages, but you know, our Northumbria will look very different basically. Okay. No, that makes perfect sense. And like, I've had the pleasure of talking to somebody from the SNP. I've talked to someone from Play Comrie and it seems to me that it's the same issues with yourselves and those guys, which is that Westminster doesn't serve your area. So could you tell me how has the Union or Westminster failed the North in your opinion? I can't really think of a way that it hasn't failed the North. The North-South divide, that is the inequality between people living in the North and in the South, has been caused by this policy of managed decline from Westminster. The decline of the North is not a natural phenomenon. It has been imposed on us by deliberately destroying our industries, mm. by centralizing political and economic power in the South. The inequality affects all parts of our lives as Northerners. Some of the big ones are like, you know, we usually talk about healthcare, education and transport. With healthcare, the North has higher levels of poverty than the rest of England. So it causes some severe inequality in health outcomes like lower average life expectancy. And, you know, we're more likely to suffer from COPD, which is a poverty related illness. Mm. When you look at education, we get less spending per head. Our GCSE results are lower on average. We're less likely to go to university. And with transport, it's the same, lower spending per head. And as a result, we get slower and less frequent services. You know, it's just as quick to go from Sheffield to London and back as it is to go from Sheffield to Whitby, which is in Yorkshire. So just going across Yorkshire is sure. twice as long as going from Sheffield to London. Don't get me started on pacer trains. So, you know, it affects all parts of our lives 
and it affects all of us, you know, as Northerners. As Northumbria has an independence movement now, I think I've actually been aware of some sort of movement in Cornwall or certainly the separate Cornish identity, I think, for a long time. And I've been reading about a kind of a nascent independence movement in London as well. Like what, in your opinion, obviously, this is a massive question, but from an Irish person's point of view, what what even is England anymore? And, and, and is it doomed, in your opinion? It's a hard one to answer. I think the cracks are starting to show. It's becoming impossible to ignore. And it's nothing new either like you know the north is by no means the only area in england to suffer at the hand of westminster and you know it's becoming more and more obvious that there is no reforming this problem of westminster you know none of the problems i was just talking about are going to go away if you give us a bit of power through regional mayors or a parliament the solution for us at least is independence and i can imagine a lot of people in other areas like cornwall are thinking the same and we express solidarity with anyone trying to achieve independence And why does it have to be secession? You know, is there anything to be said for groups like yourself in the North to work to try and create a fairer England or a fairer Britain? Why does it have to be separatism? We've obviously got a platform of it's independence or nothing. Right. We're not trying to seek devolution. Uh, We're not trying to seek better leveling up because, you know, Westminster isn't going to go away if you just have, you know, a parliament or if you just have a regional mayor. You might get a bit more spending. You might, you know, improve the area a bit. But that fundamental problem is going to still be there. So you're basically just plastering over the issue. Right. Okay. Is there other international separatist movements that you're attracted to. I'm obviously not saying that you're going to be taking up arms <laughs> against Westminster, no matter how much you might privately want to. But um, is is it, do you see yourselves as part of an internationalist separatist movement or w- where do you look to beyond these islands? I mean, yeah, we're certainly internationalist in the sort of political sense. And, you know, sure. we consistently express solidarity with Plaik and Rue, Scottish independence. And, you know, we're very much behind those movements. It's one of those things where we just think it's for people in the area to decide for themselves whether or not they want independence. We're not, you know, going to say, oh, this area should be independent. This area shouldn't be independent. These are questions for people in those areas to answer for themselves. We'll express solidarity with movements doing similar things as us, but we aren't going to say for those people which way they should go, basically. This is a big question. You can answer whatever parts of it you want. I've just done my little bit of research and there seems to be like kind of three themes to the criticisms that you get, which I'm sure you're obviously much more aware of than I have. The first is that it's a joke, that it's not taken seriously. But I mean, I wouldn't probably worry about that one so much because all kind of great things that ultimately end up successful are treated as jokes at the start. But then you get this other criticism that you're somehow patronizing, like, for instance, a former Labour staff member, James Matthewson, described the NEP as the fetishization of northern working class culture by privileged middle class hard left (laughs) ideologues. (laughs) And then finally, that you're going to split the progressive vote. So how would you respond to any or all of these three criticisms? Yeah, I mean, we can respond to all three of them because, I mean, these are essentially an attempt to take attention away from what we're saying. The North-South divide is the problem. They're just surface level criticisms that don't really stick. We make jokes. You know, I can't deny that. But to say that we are a joke (laughs) is just a bit ignorant. You know, I've been voted in as a national communications officer. Mm. I'd never thought I would hold that title in anything never mind in a political party that was just last month and you know since then we've started working on branches the volunteers that i work with you know i'm not really the brains of the operation there are much smarter people than me behind me you know sort of supporting me and helping you know build this movement incredibly talented they've worked really hard to get the party into a position where we can now contest elections you know i'm incredibly optimistic for our chances now if political pundits want to underestimate us they can do so at their own peril it can only help us well 
Okay. On the charge of patronizing, I find that really funny because <laughs> these are people with nice, well-paid jobs working for London newspapers mm. or in political parties. And they're telling Northern working class founders of the Northern Independence Party that they're patronizing themselves. Like, who, who are we Who are we patronizing? Yeah. You know, what well. is actually patronizing is when the media ignores Northerners and then characterizes them as these diehard Labour voters that can be so easily won over by farce mm. English nationalism. Like, no, that's baseless. We vote for the same reasons as anyone else. Mm. We want healthcare, we want good education, we want good transport, and we want to live fulfilling lives. The monolithic red wall voter doesn't really exist. Sure. And then on the progressive vote split, what progressive party are we talking about? The Labour Party is... Yes. Sure, it, it was progressive in 2017, 2019, sure. but you know, it really depends on the leadership. More often than not, the Lib Dems are much more progressive and they were partners in crime during the austerity years. So, you know, there's no real mainstream progressive party to vote for. And we offer that alternative. If we want democratic socialist principles, then you know, we can't allow one of the main parties to just swing so far to the right that they're no longer even advocating our basic principles. And as an outsider, it seems like some labor policies seem to be even more conservative and Tory policies at the moment. Mm, so definitely in some regards. A new socialist voice seems to be like absolutely much needed. I came across you guys through your sensational social media game and I thought it was worth noting for Irish listeners that this is a brand new party and I know Twitter is obviously not the world but you're effectively a brand new party and you have as many followers as the two parties, Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael, which have ruled the South of Ireland since the foundation of the state. Like that's good going. Like I know Twitter's not the world but it's kind of, it's quite hard to get yeah get traction on there so like can you tell me a little bit about your thinking and obviously i know covid obviously presents difficulty with getting out and meeting people and like creating kind of events outdoors with people in person so social media very important to you could you tell me a little bit about that yeah uh, i'll just acknowledge that compliment there yeah thanks coming into that <laughs> it's coming into the role of running the party's social media that was you know quite nerve-wracking for me and nice so you're the man behind that well yeah i run the social media i run the internal communications like emails and i do press stuff like this as well so well man seriously congratulations because i think i do think that point's worth making like this i would assume that there's a team oh yeah of people uh behind you and when with you and stuff like that but i mean it, just to hammer that point home like that you're already beating like parties that have been around for kind of 80 to 100 years but go on yeah obviously it's not all you know all me and there's a team behind me and there's been previous teams doing it as well getting used to having random strange just trying to tear you down is a bit difficult and I can see why some people might you know <laughs> dip in and out of it tell um, me about it <laughs> but, yeah go ahead, but, go ahead yeah mainstream political parties they have such pathetic social media game and um, yeah I think the reason social media is so important for us they don't need to lean on it we do the mainstream media locks out our voices we don't have the same access to like sympathetic media outlets with hundreds of thousands of readers you know like the daily mail mm. the best way we can communicate and get our message across is using social media and so we work really hard to perfect it you know we make mistakes we have bad tweets at the end of the day it's a learning process and you know we've learned a lot we're looking to go further in fact we're um, starting to develop some videos that can help us communicate our message break down some of the more complicated issues that we've been talking about today and i think that's a big reason for our success we break down the issues in a way that actually reflects reality and people aren't really used to that. They're used to seeing, oh, mm. refugees are stealing your jobs and, you know, 
that doesn't really correspond with reality. We're talking about real problems and we're not trying to pull the wool over anyone's eyes. Just thinking of myself there, basically, that there seems to be kind of with Plaid, yourselves, the SNP and with Sinn Féin here in Ireland, they seem to be just really on the social media thing that they really get it. And that's why there's younger voters are attracted to those parties. I mean, is it kind of down to an anti-establishment kind of connection between those younger voters or what do you think is that connects those parties and social media, do you think? Yeah, well, it's a bit of a chicken and the egg question here, like which yeah. comes first, the social media team being young or you know people coming to the party. But um, these kinds of politics attract young people because we can easily be disillusioned by yeah. Labour going to the right and this kind of thing. I think anyone who sort of looks at the last 40 years of the North not really getting what it votes for can come to that conclusion that there is no choice but to leave. I think, you know, having a youth base as, you know, in our support really helped uh, to get our social media off the feet it's been going well like is there a kind of a northern i was reading something in your manifesto as well about this kind of idea of a kind of um, a northern caricature like there's kind of like this south north divide but it's kind of perpetuated by establishment media and stuff like is there a kind of a northerner character that's uh that doesn't actually exist in reality but exists somewhere in the minds of of media moguls in westminster do you think yeah they definitely have this idea of the red wall voter that just doesn't exist you know all, all northerners are different and there's very diverse different areas of the north there's south yorkshire there's merseyside there's manchester there's lancashire newcastle it, all these different areas, they're so diverse, they're so different. They all vote for very different reasons, you know. They're not all motivated to do the same thing. They just all happen to vote Labour because the, the Labour Party was a democratic socialist party, you know. They held, mm. for the most part, democratic socialist principles and they voted that way. So yeah, when when the media attempts to sort of portray us as all the same, it's it's ridiculous. There's a sense here as well, I mean, I could be getting this wrong, but certainly Ireland looking at the explanations for the Brexit vote, there tends to be a kind of a, the official message going out is that it's the North's fault, that, that Northerners are more likely to be racist and mm, um, Brexit is is reducible to uh, literally the issue of, of immigrants coming to the country. So, so it's all the Northerners' fault. And of course, that doesn't really bear out in terms of the actual stats behind the, the vote at all, sure doesn't. When people try to point towards the North as being the reason for Brexit. I mean, first of all, we're not the majority of the country. So, you know, how, how does that work? Yeah. <laughs> sure. The North did vote for Brexit and we support that decision. We think that if the people voted, then they should get what they voted for. This country has spent the last five years faffing over it. They haven't really done anything. And then at the end of the day, they got a pretty not great deal. To blame the North for everything that's gone on for the last five years is, is just missing the point. It's it's Westminster just playing games, political games. Sure. It seems like a kind of a, a scapegoat culture that you're in anyway. So it's if you can just scapegoat kind of racist Northerners that don't actually exist, then, then all the better. Yeah. And I mean, sure, maybe some of them were motivated to vote on that. But I think the vast majority were presented with a choice. Either everything stays the same or we make a drastic change. Yes. And when you have this North-South divide you know, is causing such inequality, you know, you're going to bet on the change. You're not going to go, okay, I'll just stick with the safe path. I'm going to make a change. Mm. Yeah, that's fascinating. Okay, I mean, the last thing I'd like to ask you is this just crystal ball stuff, really. I've been talking to a lot of independence movements, as I say, in Scotland and Wales. And as a consequence of Brexit, if you kind of park your own party's ambitions for, for the moment. Mm. Do you feel that one of the legacies of Brexit ultimately will be 
the breakup of the union. Well, this one's going to be completely my own opinion here. I can't really speak for the party on this. Of but, course. Um, I'm certainly optimistic. You know, I'm, I might be politically naive, <laughs> but I'm optimistic. Um, the result of the first Scottish independence referendum was like a wake-up call for me. You know, I never really thought this kind of politics could work. And so I think given the second chance now, they would I almost definitely make a different choice. I think they would go independent. You know, and once once they're gone, the ball is in the court of Westminster. You know, if they can't give us a good reason to stay, you know, any area of the UK then you know, we, we're asking the questions, why should we? And they can't answer that question. All the reasons that we've put forward and more. Great. And to finish up then, we're talking Scotland's going free. I mean, I'm just going to jump in here and say that Ireland is, is potentially going to reunite. Wales is probably going to head off on its own. And then going forward, what's the plan of action for the NAP going forward then? Like, are you going to start running candidates? And ultimately, your ultimate goal, if you could put a time frame on that, when do you think that might happen? It's impossible to put a time frame on it, but yeah, I can sort of talk about our plan. You know, obviously we want to sure. aim for MPs, but a big part of it is going to be winning councils and starting to make material changes that we can make through devolved power in councils. Yeah, if we can get an MP, that would be great. But ultimately, winning Westminster seats isn't really going to help us break Westminster. Um, you know, we need to have a, a referendum on Northern Independence, and that's going to come from having a domination in council areas, domination of the mayoral seats and you know this kind of thing sure yeah i think our main aim is just to show that we are a real political force and that we are a real alternative to the people of the north wonderful thank you so much for your time jamie i will certainly do everything in my power anyway to help your separatist (laughs) movements i'm very partial to a separatist movement (laughs) thank you yeah it sounds like you're providing a real genuine democratic socialist alternative and yeah it sounds fantastic thank you so much for your time thank you for having me on again No, guys, you know, you say that I don't want fee. I'd say now a lot of you had no idea that England was about to break up. Of course, it's not about to break up tomorrow, but I think as Jamie Blair outlines there, do you know what? It's interesting. His grievances, I think, as we touch on in the interview, his grievances are Scottish grievances, are Welsh grievances, are grievances of people in the north of Ireland. It's this idea that Westminster kind of doesn't really give a shit and England is all that matters, or I suppose metropolitan liberal elite England maybe is the is the only one that matters really really interesting ideas I'm going to leave you alone now please come back for the next episode it is a humdinger if I do say so myself a lot of the time with these interviews I'm having technical issues you know what I mean I'm a bit of a klutz do you know what I'm a bit of a like you know spilling orange cordial all over the laptop type of guy and I'm very new to this guys I'm just a kind of a comedian trying to train his best in the world but I like to fucking go in with a two-footed challenge into most situations and I do feel the James O'Brien interview, it's it's kind of, I didn't mess it up that much. And James is certainly on fire. It's very, very witty and interesting, his ideas. Do come back for that. Thank you very much for listening to my podcast and enjoy the rest of whatever's left in your day. Bet you wish you were. Sorry, guys. I'm just, I'm just going to come back in on that there because just on reflection, that sounds very ominous. That's kind of death row kind of stuff. Um, enjoy whatever's left uh, of your life. Bet you wish you were here.